your obedience to the Lord in your life and the calling on your life. What an amazing, amazing story for all of us this morning. Thank you so much. Believe it or not, this all connects to the message, and um, we're going to continue the series back to school. Uh, we started uh, four weeks ago. If you missed any of it, you can go to our website. It's all there for you to watch. Uh, we started with the pep rally and the importance of worship and how we worship together and how we're here worshiping the Lord um, as one. We went to the cafeteria or the gathering that it's important for us to gather and build relationships um, and accept people into this. And then we talked about last week the study hall and the connecting points that we have and taking advantage of those. And today, interestingly enough, we're going to connect to school tutors, people that invest. And what an amazing day for us to do that as we think of Catherine and her investment into so many people's lives. And so we're going to dive into that. And as uh, I was preparing for this and thinking about today, I was thinking about those coaches. I was thinking about those teachers in my life that I look back and say they made an impact. Who are those teachers in your life? Who are those people in your life that you look back and you say, wow, they really made an impact in my life? And I think one of the common traits I can remember and and I can see in those people in my life is that they genuinely cared about me and they desired for me to grow as a person. And so this morning, we're going to look at that And we're going to ask this question as we dive into the scriptures and ask the the Lord to speak to all of us individually. Who has impacted your life and who are you impacting? Who has impacted your life and who are you impacting? And so before we, we look to God's word, let's proceed this time with prayer and ask him to bless us as we dive in. Father God, you are gracious and We are so thankful for today. But we're thankful that we can gather here and we can study your word and we can sing together and we can celebrate um, a life lived for you, a life that had so much impact. And Lord, we pray that you would bless today, that what is happening in heaven would be happening here on earth. And Lord, as we read these words and we think about the people that have come before us and the people that will come after us, Um, Lord, help us to to hear and to understand the things you want us to hear and understand. Lord, I pray that you would feed us with the spiritual food we need right now. And Lord, that we would recognize the grace and patience in which, which you use for us, that Lord, we would demonstrate that to others. And Lord, as we talk about this idea of being poured into and being poured out and investing in those who come after us, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, that you would speak clearly to all of us, and Lord, that we would be protected from any kind of discouragement or anything that would pull us off path. And Lord, I pray as we think about this that we would be reminded that you are so good and that you are coming back, and Lord, that you have won and the victory is yours, and so we have much to celebrate, we have much uh, to be thankful for, and also, Lord, we have so much to look forward to. And so I pray that you would bless us in this time as we study your words And we ask you to speak through them to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we will be in 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, I have to give quite a bit of backstory here because um, if you're not familiar with this part of the Bible, it's the Old Testament. This is before Jesus. Um, This is the time uh, in the world uh, where, where the, the, the Hebrews are coming together and God has made a promise to Abraham. It's been passed down to, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph. Um, um, they've established themselves here in Israel, uh, but Israel is divided. 
Israel is divided into the northern and southern kingdom, and, and God is rising up prophets because the kings aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, and we have this list of kings that aren't very good, and so God is raising up prophets to deal with these kings, and one of the prophets he raises up is, is a man named Elijah, and so uh, Elijah the prophet, and some of you know my son's name is Elijah because this is one of the, 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 the characters, one of the people, historical people in the Bible that when I looked at it, it resonated with me. If I was to have a son, I would want my son to be like this, and I'll get to why in, in a little bit. But here you had a man, we don't really know his training, we don't know how he got to be a prophet, we don't know, you know, where he learned all the things that he learned, but we know that he has quite a bit of knowledge and we know that um, he's willing uh, to listen to God and God's calling in his life. And so as you read through Kings, you're going to read some really interesting stories and accounts of this guy Elijah's life. And if you haven't done this already, I would encourage you this week sometime, just go and read about Elijah because it is an amazing story. Um, he's dealing with a very corrupt king and his, the king's wife, Jezebel, who's a foreigner, who's brought in all of these false gods that they're now worshiping Baal. And so here you have Elijah, and he's kind of running from the king, and he's in hiding, and he meets a widow, and he's asking her for bread, and she's able to give him bread um, because he is promising that God will make sure you don't run out of oil and flour to make the bread. Now, when I look at Elijah and I think about Elijah's life, the one thing that screams out to me, the reason I look at him as such an amazing uh, uh, character, amazing role model within the scripture, is he had such profound faith. He had such confidence in God. He had such a relationship with God that he was willing to tell this woman, look, God will make this happen. He will provide. And not only that, after some time passes, there's a drought, and that's part of the judgment of God, and, and, and she, her son dies. He says, God, so that, so that your name would be lifted up, please bring her son back to life. He has the confidence to speak that back into her son, and he comes back to life. And, and there's these things that happen in Elijah's life where he has absolute faith and trust that God is going to show up and do something miraculous. We're told that um, he, he meets with the 400 prophets of Baal, and there's 400 prophetesses that are, that are just chanting, and, and, and here they make this idol, this, uh, this altar, and they put, a, they put a, uh, the half of the calf on the altar, and they, set it, uh, they want it to be set on fire. And so here all day they are they're praying to their God Baal that he would bring fire on the altar, and nothing happens. And Elijah is so confident so confident in his relationship with God that he, almost, he mocks them. He mocks them and says, where is your God? Maybe he's sleeping, right? He has such confidence. He has such assurance in his relationship to God that God will show up that when it's his turn to demonstrate, and it was interesting because this past November, I was out Mount Carmel where this took place. It's an amazing scenario where everyone in the valley knows what's going on. Everyone around knows what's going on, that this is the test. Is God uh, Jehovah, is God Yeshua the actual God, God Yahweh? Is he the God to be worshiped? And here Elijah has such faith in God that he says, I want you to dig a trench. I want you to fill it with water. I want you to take 12 stones and build the altar. And I want you to drench it with water. And he prays to God and 
Fire falls from heaven and, and the entire thing is incinerated. And, and he, he has the Baal prophets put to death because of this, because he has this amazing amount of faith. And yet the other part of Elijah that I really look at and, and I find profound is that after all this happens, he runs and hides because he's afraid. And what it says to me and what it says uh, as we read this and think about this, we're about to get to 1 Kings 19, is that he was a real person. And his confidence wasn't necessarily in himself. His confidence is in what God could do for him. And so he had all these experiences, and we're told throughout Kings that there were basically seven miracles that happened for Elijah throughout his time as a prophet. And through these experiences and through this wisdom, God was filling him, filling him with faith, filling him with assurance, filling him with hope. And this is where we catch up. This is where we begin this morning. This prophet Elijah, he has now met with a young man who has a very similar name, Elisha, S-H-A. And he's training him, equipping him, and this is the calling that he's given here in 1 Kings 19, verse 19, we begin. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Sherephat, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 25th, the 12th pair. Now, just so you understand, this was, uh, in a way, demonstrating his wealth, demonstrating Elisha's wealth, and his, this would have been overkill. Uh, we're told even where he lived to have this much cattle uh, was, was showing his great amount of, of resource. And yet here he is, uh, he's with Elijah, and, and we continue, Elijah went up to him and threw a cloak around him. This is a symbol of mentorship. This is a symbol of I'm going to train you as your guide. And so he throws the cloak around him. And Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now that what have I done to you is an interesting thing. Um, there's a lot of question about what does he mean there. Does he say, look, I've given you this big task. Let's get going. Or is he saying, have I kept you from your parents? We don't know. We're not going to get stuck there. But what he's saying to him is, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to pour out what God has done in my life. I'm going to pour out my wisdom. I'm going to pour out myself into you now. And I'm going to put the cloak that demonstrates that you now are the one to take on the mantle of prophet. And so he was going to invest what he had learned, what he experienced, and what he had a passion for that gave him such great confidence in the Lord. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And so here's what happened. Elisha, S-H-A, <laughs> he recognized when Elijah came to him and put the cloak on him and said, I want to pour myself into you. I want to train you. I want to equip you. I want to invest in you. I want to tutor you. Elisha had to take what he had, and he had to pour it out, right? He had some wealth. He had resource. He had things in his life, and he had to, to pour them out. He had to pour them out so that now 
he could serve Elijah, and so Elijah could pour. into his life. This morning, as we look at this picture of our lives, have you ever considered that God's created purpose for you is to be a vessel? Have you ever considered that your spiritual identity is a vessel and that we're filling it with something every day and that here Elisha recognized that he must pour out the old to be filled with the new and Elijah had to recognize that here was someone that he could pour into here's someone that he could train Here's someone he could, could teach the things that he had learned through his experiences, through his knowledge, through his passion. The verse ends with, then he set out to follow Elijah and became his what? His servant. Elijah has, has lived his life. We don't know exactly his backstory as much. And yet here he is, he's willing to sell, not even just to get rid of, he burns the equipment. And we think of it, and it's a strange thing to us today, because we don't live in the time where you survive this way. This is how you survive. This is how you ate. This is how you made it through life. And he, he, he not only said, not, not only am I emptying myself, I'm going to empty myself so I can't go back, right? I'm going to empty myself so I can't go back. And so he empties himself completely to the point where he burns the tools to cook the meat of the animals that were to supply his need so that he could be filled with what Elijah would lead him to. These two are some of the greatest prophets we know of the Old Testament. We're told that, that uh, Elisha, he is seeking after this, this filling of God. He's seeking after what God has for him so much that he says, um, Elijah, you have seven things that God has done within your life. My prayer is that I would double that. I would double that because I'm seeking this. I want to be filled to the brim. Not only would I want to be filled to the level in which God has filled you, I want to be overflowing. I want a double portion of what you have received. And we're told that God reveals himself in 14 miraculous ways in the life of Elisha. Why? Because this is God's created order for all of us this morning. Every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room can look at the example of Elijah, can look at the example of Catherine, can look at the example and say, am I overflowing? Am I pouring into? Am I being poured into? Is someone pouring into my life today so I can grow spiritually? Am I pouring into someone else's life so that they can grow spiritually? Am I investing in people around me? Am I giving of my time, my wisdom, my experience? Some of you have been through very difficult things and God has revealed very powerful things through that journey. I believe one of the main things Elijah had to share with Elisha is how faithful God was how faithful God was in the midst 
of overwhelming challenges. And he poured that into another person. He poured that into Elijah's life. Another great example of this, if you have your Bible, it'll be on the screen as well. If you turn to Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. If you don't know the story of Ruth, it's the shortest book in the Old Testament. It's maybe three or four pages in your Bible. It is a love story of God to us. When you read it, it's an amazing story. But it is a story of a woman named Naomi who moves to Moab, which is outside of Israel because there's a famine. And she moves there. And there, her husband and her, they have two sons. And their two sons marry. And here in this circumstance, uh, we don't know what happened, but the two sons pass away, and her husband passes away. And Naomi says, I must return to Israel. I must return to my family. And she says to her two daughters, you don't have to come with me. You can stay here. I'm going to return, though. And this is where we catch up her, her, her daughter-in-law, who grew up in Moab, which is a, a completely on the other side, religiously, belief-wise, from the Hebrews, completely opposite. And yet here is what we see happens. Verse 16, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Naomi didn't even realize it at the time. But she had been filled with truth about the one God. She had been filled with truth about her purpose in life. And Ruth recognized that. And Ruth was willing to pour out all of what she knew, all of who she was. She poured it out so she could be filled. And she said to Naomi, wherever you go, I want to be filled with wherever you're going. Whatever you do, I want to have that in my life. Wherever you are and whatever you have in your life, I want in my life. And your God will be my God. And your people will be my people. And Naomi poured into her life reluctantly. Naomi was very reluctant. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave. And she continues on, where you die, I will die. And there be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And she came. And because... Ruth allowed her to follow with her back to Israel. She came and met a man named Boaz. And he, we know him as the kinsman redeemer. And here, when, when Ruth uh, meets Boaz, they fall in love. And this relationship begins. Naomi begins to realize the importance of what has happened. She begins to realize this investment has, has flourished. And that God is faithful because we're told that, that that Naomi begins to doubt. She begins to, to wonder why God has, has put her through such a hard life, through so hard situ situations. And yet now she begins to realize that God is faithful in the midst of all of that. And she begins to encourage Ruth and she says, this is a great thing that God has done. And she pours her wisdom and she pours her encouragement into Ruth. And because Ruth receives that and she's filled with this, she gets to be in the lineage. She is one of 
great-great-great-grandparents of Jesus. She is the great-grandmother of King David. Because she wanted to be poured into. She said, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your family will be my family. A very similar thing happened with the disciples of Jesus. He was teaching about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they didn't understand. And there was a lot of questions about what he was talking about. And, and, and a lot of disciples left, and they said, you know what? I can't be filled with that. I can't believe in that. And they turned. And he looked at his 12 disciples, and he says, will you go as well? And they said, Jesus, where else will we go? Where else will we find this living water, Right? There is no one. You are the Lord. Outside of you, who else is there? And they followed him, and they were filled. These 12 men were filled with his spirit. This morning, we have so many amazing examples in front of us. We have so many stories around us. My question, have you ever seen yourself as a vessel that is being filled A vessel that is not just to be filled, but to be used. See, I believe God wants the water to flow. Flow into your life and flow out of your life into others. I believe the example is that we exist to be filled so that we can fill others. So that we can pour ourselves into others. So the things that God allows us to go through, the wisdom that God gives us, he allows us to transfer to pour into someone else's life. Who has poured into your life? Who has been Elijah? Who has been Naomi? Who has been the Jesus that lives within your sphere that that you look towards and say, fill me with your wisdom, fill me with your knowledge? And then who are you that for? Who are you that for? Who is the empty vessel that needs to be poured into in your life? Who is the one that, that, that is waiting to hear from you, waiting to know what God has done in your life, how he has moved, how he is faithful? Those moments where you, you, you said, God, show this fire and your power, and it happened. Who in your life are you pouring into? Because we're vessels. We're vessels. And God desires us to be filled and poured out and filled and poured out and filled and poured out and filled and poured out. If we're not being filled and poured out, what's happening? This morning, I think one of the reasons God created the church so we'd have a place to find the Elijahs, find the Naomi's, find the Elisha's, find the Ruth's. Maybe this morning there's something that burns within you that you want to train and equip and you have wisdom and you've been through things and you know that you could help people in their walk with the Lord and it just burns within you. What an awesome opportunity to pour yourself into others. Invest your life to live what you were put on here on earth to live out. 
Maybe this morning you're saying, I'm confused and, and, and I need direction and I need uh, someone to come along and, and really pour their life into me and love me and care for me and speak wisdom into my life and speak truth into my life and talk about how God has worked in their life. What is he saying to you this morning? I truly believe this is the purpose of the church because it starts, it starts when we empty ourselves in repentance and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? The whole walk with Jesus, the whole gospel, the whole point of, of Christianity is to pour out our sin and say, I repent of this. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Save me. That's where it begins. He begins with this filling so that we then can pour. And it is living water that has no end. And for your entire life, you can pour and pour and be filled from people that are flowing and it flows and it becomes life to you and to everyone that is receiving the living water. So my question this morning, are you being filled? Are you being poured out? Because I really feel we need to be filled and poured out. That's what we're here for. What is God saying to your heart right now? Let's pray. Father, you're an awesome God. And um, it's not hard to see when, when you're being poured out in someone's life. We look at Catherine's life and we say, wow. And Lord, we just ask you to give us what we need right now. I don't know what you're saying to everyone. But Lord, I know that we need you. We need you to fill us. We need you to use us. We need this, this, this spirit, your spirit to flow. And Lord, we just ask that you would do great things. That you would bring peace. That you would bring joy. That you would bring repentance. That you would bring new life in and through us and that Lord every day would be a day committed to you committed to allowing this to flow in us and through us for your glory Lord I thank you for your love I thank you for your faithfulness I pray that you would bless this time you would use it that we would be transformed in Jesus name Amen this morning as we sing our final song there's always